Hi, and welcome to Argus's series of podcasts reviewing the marine fuels and fuel oil market one month after what's commonly referred to as IMO 2020 has been implemented. I'm Tracy Val, Vice President of Business Development at Argus, and I'm hosting this series. I have Stefka Weschler with me today, editor of the Argus Marine Fuels Report, and she's based in New York City. And just to give you a quick review, what we commonly refer to as IMO 2020 limits the sulfur content of bunker fuels used in ocean-going vessels to 0.5% sulfur. So ship owners have the option to burn an IMO-compliant fuel, or they have the option to burn a bunker fuel with higher sulfur levels, uh, so long as the exhaust gas is scrubbed to remove the sulfur content to levels that would be equivalent or lower than burning 0.5% sulfur bunker fuel. So, Going into 2020, Stefka, there had been a lot of discussion on the composition and compatibility of the new fuels that can meet the market regulations. From the U.S. front or from the Americas front, what have you really seen on this? Have there been any problems with composition? Have there been any problems with compatibility? Have there been wide ranges of composition that you've seen? Uh, thank you very much, Tracy. So, um, yes, as expected, it's been the Wild West um, and it's all, frankly, the market is all over the place. We speak to several testing companies out there whose job is to test bunker samples. And we, from the intelligence that we have gathered, it seems like the viscosity of this new 0.5% sulfur fuel is ranging very widely. We're talking something in the realm of two centistokes to about 400 centistokes. Um, and as you know, uh, previously the high sulfur marine fuel was around uh, 380, uh, 180 centistokes. So two centistokes is, is, is pretty low. Uh, when it comes to gravity, also we've seen some very wide ranges as well. Um, we're talking 10 API degrees to 35 API degrees. One thing I want to point out is that um, anything that's uh, higher than 28 API degrees is typically uh, construed as, as a distillate fuel, not a residual fuel oil. One thing that, that uh, uh, something that I've heard from the testing companies that was pretty interesting is that uh, ship owners are not really experiencing any problems with compatibility. Uh, and that's because, not because this 0.5% sulfur fuels are compatible, but because ship owners are, are making a point of not mixing 0.5 fuels from different suppliers. So that's one way to avoid compatibility issues. Um, however, I have heard a comment <clears throat> from some traders out there that right now ship owners are careful, they're not mixing the fuel, but in the future they, they might let their guard down and sort of become more confident as, as they move forward. So some, some traders out there speculate that going forward we might see compatibility issues when ship owners try to put everything in one tank. Um, and I think the biggest problem that has really surfaced and, and that we, we started seeing this uh, the beginning of December and it's, it's continuing now through January and through early February is sediment problems. So the International Organization for Standardization or ISO is setting a limit of 0.5% on sediment. And um, some of the testing companies out there are, are seeing higher levels than that. The problem with when you have sediment or or higher levels of sediment is that could result in excessive sludge creation, 
which uh, basically clogs up the engines. So um, it's not ideal. So this is in a nutshell the specifications uh, issues that we have seen. Wow, I mean, that's a massive range of API gravities and cinestokes uh, and viscosities on there. I mean, considering all of that and considering the the caution that people are having with with purchasing fuel from different suppliers or trying to keep those uh, fuel purchases separate. I mean, there's been there had been a lot of talk about maybe preferences for ship owners to use a clean fuel like a marine gas oil um, that tends to be really consistent in specification rather than VLSFO um, or 0.5% sulfur fuel oil. Have you seen I mean, what's your take on what's your take on this split so far? Is there an overwhelming preference for marine gas oil or or zero point five percent fuel oil, or is the market equally split, or is it too early to say? Yeah, this this is actually the question that is that everybody in the industry wants to know. Um, official statistics haven't really come out. I'm we're monitoring the Panama Port Authority website that publishes every month their statistics. They haven't published data for uh, January yet. Uh, and the same with S Singapore, obviously the biggest uh, bunkering port in the world. But purely based on anecdotal data and um, not again, not not any statistics involved, uh, us talking to suppliers and traders and ship owners, um, I would say uh, the in the Americas, um, high sulfur fuel oil or three and a half percent sulfur fuel oil is around eight percent. So that's going to vessels with scrubbers. Then um, 0.5 percent sulfur residual fuel oil, I would peg it around 60 percent. Um, which leaves marine gas oil at around, uh, you know, 32% from the bunkering pie. So it, it seems to me from, again, from conversations with um, the industry that we have every day, is that even though VLSFO specs are all over the place uh, and you have a lot of uh, potential issues with stability, um, ship owners would get whatever little discount they can get. And as long as VLSFO is selling, is cheaper than marine gas oil, um, ship owners will, most ship owners will continue to buy them, to buy it. Of course, there's uh, ship owners who um, are more risk conscious, uh, so they, they gravitate towards MGO, but it really also depends on how deep the, the are the pockets of the of the ship owner, um, and and the 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 ship owners who who could afford it, they already uh, had installed scrubbers on their vessels. So for the rest of them, they're really just trying to get the discount that uh, VLSFO provides. When I say VLSFO, I mean very low sulfur fuel or zero point five percent sulfur bunkers. Yeah. So that's actually it's actually interesting that you talk about you know they're trying to get as much discount as possible or as much price advantage. I mean it, we've seen in certain markets that the price levels of VLSFO and MGO have come very very close together at times. Um, what what kind of price indications have you seen? What are you seeing from that side of the market? So. In terms of discounts, they could range uh, anywhere between. Actually, we have seen at some locations on some days VLSFO selling at the same price as M MGO. Wow. Um, but discounts could also be five to thirty dollars. Um, the interesting thing is that both VLSFO and marine gas oil 
uh, price indications range very widely. Um, you know, we seeing ranges between the different suppliers, uh, $20, $30 a metric ton per day. Whereas, you know, if you look at uh, his, historically the bunker market, um, daily ranges have been between five and 10. So, so a range of $20 to $30 in one day is, is very wide. And that's because there's still some issues that are being um, worked out around uh, availabilities. Uh, resupply dates are often um, are not certain and, and ship owners just don't know when there will be product available. So we have seen prices of VLSFO and marine gas oil price ranges overlapping. Um, and the other thing that, that we have noticed is um, most of the, the sentiment around the ship owners is that as we go forward, uh, the prices of VLSFO compared to marine gas oil uh, would decline. Um, so the, the discount will uh, basically become bigger. Um, so as, as, it, as it goes right now, most ship owners are seeking out smaller stems or smaller lots of VLSFO, something in the realms of uh, 500, 600 metric tons. Uh, and, and they're just bunkering, they're just fueling uh, with just enough fuel to get them to the, to the next cheapest port. They're not trying to buy 2,000 metric tons because they, you know, they think the prices will uh, soften going forward. Wow, that's a, that's a seems to be a big change in the uh, bunker market there, a little bit on buying patterns, but I guess it's still early days. Um, it brings up another question though a little bit about um, changes to maybe to re regional trading patterns. So trade flows, bunker purchases. So we mentioned this a little bit that maybe, you know, as you put it, the bunker um, purchases aren't, people aren't purchasing in as large of stems as they've done before. Um, but what about, particularly in the Americas, what about, um, what about the trade flows uh, in and out of the Americas um, and, and how might bunker purchases, where people are bunkering, is that changing any? So the, the two cheapest locations in the Americas um, have been Houston and Panama. So Panama basically last week or starting last week became the cheapest uh, bunkering port in Latin America. Before that, it was Santos, Brazil. And the reason it was Santos, Brazil is because uh, Petrobras um, or Brazil state oil company um, makes low sulfur fuel oil from there by refining their indigenous uh, low sulfur crude. Um, so, it, you know, Petrobras is, is very well positioned. Uh, they were waiting for IMO 2020 um, because, you know, their availability of low sulfur fuel oil put them in a in a in a great uh, position. So, so Petrobras started exporting more low sulfur fuel oil to Singapore. So they have um, some on some days they they haven't been able to. Um, well, let's just say their stocks have been lower on 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 their local national front because they've exported most of it to Singapore. Uh, so for that reason. Uh, Panama replaced Santos, Brazil as the cheapest bunkering port in, in Latin America. And, and as you know, Panama does not have a refinery. So everything they uh, burn there is imported. So uh, Panama is importing, half of its imports of, of distillates is coming from the US Gulf Coast, but they've also ramped up 
diesel imports from uh, we're looking at the Russian Black Sea, Israel, Greece, also on the on the Pacific coast from South South Korea, China, uh, the U.S. West Coast and West West Coast Canada. Uh, and also we have seen uh, low sulfur residue shipments uh, that Panama is importing from Argentina. Argentina also has uh, locally produces low sulfur residual fuel oil. Um, so in the U.S. Gulf Coast, Houston has been the cheapest uh, in the Americas, uh, in in uh, North America, I should say, and that's because um, the U.S. Gulf Coast in general is uh, long diesel, so local suppliers can basically blend blend it into the residual fuel market to kind of lower the, the sulfur content. Um, so that's you know overall. However, if 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 you chart prices in the major bunkering hubs, uh, which is you know uh, Houston, Panama, Fujairah, Singapore, and Rotterdam, you will see that. Um, Rotterdam has been the cheapest bunkering port for both VLSFO and marine gas oil, um, and that's followed by uh, by Houston. Um, so that's you know actually Northwest Europe is is really leading the um, the bunker price. Uh, yeah. Charts. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's a, it's a it's it's a surprise, but I think uh, the market is still feeling itself out. And I guess it's good news for Panama and the bunker suppliers in Panama that hopefully they're grabbing some business there. <laughs> um, but I do have a question about um, high sulfur fuel oil. I mean, we we estimate Argus estimates some probably two to two and a half thousand vessels with scrubbers that are installed uh, right now at the beginning of 2020. We didn't think that most of the industry doesn't think that's enough to utilize all the HSFO that was being produced historically. However, HSFO pricing seems to be well supported. Um, I mean, do you have any comments on this and particularly maybe what's going on in the U.S. and in the Gulf Coast refineries there? Yes. So that's that was kind of unexpected. Uh, so if you look at the crack spread for three and a half percent sulfur fuel on the Gulf Coast, um, the crack spread to Brent, um, that that has improved dramatically. So st starting around January 22nd, and we saw high sulfur fuel oil assessed at over 70% of the price of Brent. Um, so uh, the industry in general thought that high sulfur fuel oil prices will recover, but they didn't expect them to start recovering on January 22nd. That that is, uh, that kind of took everybody by surprise. So the um, the working theory out there is that, um, well, actually, if you look at uh, U.S. Energy Information Administration data or EIA, you see that uh, U.S. residual fuel oil production has has dropped. Um, I was looking at, I pulled some numbers, and it looked like uh, production has dropped to like 112,000, 150,000 barrels a day, which is historically uh, the lowest U.S. Gulf Coast residual fuel oil production. Uh, so refiners in the Gulf Coast have made some adjustments, so so they to kind of lower their high sulfur fuel oil stocks. And then the other thing is you have um, uh, U.S. Gulf Coast refiners. Um, um, a lot of them have cokers, so they have um, a very healthy appetite for straight run high sulfur fuel oil. 
um, and you know also taking trying to take advantage of the cheap high sulfur fuel oil prices. So there have been you know imports from Russia of this type of fuel to the Gulf Coast have ramped up, and and also the other thing is. Um, in the last several weeks, we've seen Brent kind of, uh, or crude oil in general, nosedive. Um, so, and and usually in times where uh, prices of crude oil kind of jump up or jump down really, really sharply, um, residual fuel oil tends to lag. The residual fuel typically follows, but but it, it takes a little bit of time for it to catch up. Uh, so right now, I believe the part of the reason the cracks are, high sulfur fuel oil cracks are so strong is because fuel is, is just simply pay, playing catch up with the, the falling brand. So yeah, that, that that's a good observation. Could be a very good observation. Um, just in closing, very briefly, do you see any future developments that might affect the America's market? Well, I am um, one of the things that we have been we are monitoring is the the Saint Croix refinery in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, the Saint Croix refinery was mothballed, uh, and it is the owners, the current owners, which is uh, Arc like. Arclight Energy and Freepoint, they are looking at restarting it. Uh, and the, the refinery was supposed to be restarting uh, last year, the end of last year. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. Um, but once it restarts, it would become uh, one of the bigger suppliers of uh, Villa Safo in the Caribbean and Central America um, and, and possibly sending some of that Villa Safo to the U.S. East Coast. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. There are no, not yet news when exactly the refinery will be restarting. But the other thing is, uh, even though Arc Light Energy and Freepoint are the owners, they have um, agreements with BP where BP supplies them with, with crude and, and, and takes up the, the product. So we'll see exactly who will be marketing this VLSFO when, uh, when the refinery is finally uh, working. Yeah. Thanks, Stavka. I guess it's really watch this space for future information on the America's supply. And I'd just like to remind everyone, Argus publishes a global portfolio of IMO compliant fuel assessments covering the world's most important bunker and trading hubs. So you can find real-time pricing for marine fuels and fuel oil, as well as pertinent market news and analysis in the Argus reports. More information can be found at argusmedia.com forward slash IMO 2020. Thank you.